Welcome to the OC Endurance Podcast. My name is Chris, along with my co-hosts, Tony and Austin. And uh, this week we're doing an extra episode because uh, we are just back from Finland now. I guess it's been a few days. Feels like it's been a, a, a rush since we've gotten back, just straight back into life. But uh, how you guys doing? Great. Ready, uh, you know, up early, get this done, get everybody some extra content, get you guys talking about how the race went. Yeah. yeah. Our one fan has been asking for this, so, you know, he's going to be happy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's the only subscriber to our OnlyFans. So. <laughs> Tony's, Tony's a little more awake. I made it on time for this podcast. That's right. Yeah. We're, uh, we're starting off strong here. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the last podcast we had was right when we got back. I, we both got back basically Monday evening-ish. I didn't get home till You must have got home later than I did because I didn't get home until about 5 p.m., 5.30. What time did you get home, Tony? Well, so I went. Um, I actually went to, to uh, Nadia's after. So I actually didn't get home home, I think, until like maybe 10 o'clock that night. Yikes. Yeah, so it was late, and uh, then the next morning we had a seven a.m. podcast scheduled with uh, Inside, and uh, I almost missed it. And uh, I think Tony was a little tired. Yeah, I, th- that was one that I really wanted to be a part of and contribute, and I just had nothing. I was almost in a in a, in a daze, um, but I'm you know glad we had John on, and he was able to you know kind of I think at least lead it and ask some of the questions I had on my mind, but. You know, that's still, I think it's a really good listen. Yeah. When we left, I mean, we'll get to the whole race, but when, when I got to the airport after the race, um, I only had like three hours sleep at a hotel and then I I went to the airport to, to deal with all of that. And when I got on the plane, uh, we're taking off and they're going to, you know, we had just taken off and they're, they're going to serve a little food. And I was so tired. It's like, I couldn't function. I wanted the food, but I couldn't talk. It's like my head wouldn't, I I was so exhausted by the time (laughs) I got on that plane to come home. So what, what time was it in Finland when your plane took off? Uh, to come home, yeah, seven seven a.m. But I got into the airport at three thirty in the morning. Oh, the next day, uh, yeah. After the race. So I, when the race was over, I had to go straight back, tear the bike down, get everything done. I actually had wet laundry like in a bag in my suitcase <laughs> and headed off to the airport because I spent an hour, maybe a half hour to an hour, fucking with a washing machine that had the water turned off that I didn't realize. <laughs> And I'm sitting in there and, and, and Tony's like, this is the content you need on the video because I'm sitting in there F-bombing this washing machine that is just spinning with no water in it. And uh, yeah, eventually I figured out that they turned their water off to their washing machine for some reason in Finland. Huh. So, yeah. Each time you have to turn it on? That's I, Well, I left it on once I turned it on, <laughs> that, which, which ultimately I realized that the clothes that I uh, put on, I, I washed when I got there, they smelled really strong with detergent. I realized it's probably because they just ran for an hour and they're flipping detergent around and never actually got water on them. So mm. I'm like, man, these smell really strong. Yeah, <laughs> so they weren't s- clean. They yeah. were just, uh, <laughs> they just had detergent smell on them. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that kind of, you know, uh, short of those sorts of nightmares with traveling, how was getting there for you, for both of you guys? Go ahead, Tony. Uh, I I thought the travel there was was fine. I mean, um, we had a direct flight uh, around six p.m. Left LAX to Helsinki, and um, I I sleep on planes no problem. So 
I think I, you know, that was a 10 and a half hour flight. I think I probably slept a good seven and a half, eight hours easy. I watched one movie, um, just to kind of like get the eyes tired. And after that, just basically try to try to sleep as much as possible. Um, and then thinking, you know, we'd, we'd get there. I think we landed at like, you know, like three 30 in the afternoon. Um, and so then the plan was just trying to like stay awake and then try and get right on, right on the, you know, the, their time zone. Um, and I think it worked out pretty, pretty well. I didn't, I wasn't too jet lagged. Yeah. I think that worked. I mean, we didn't go to bed. We actually stayed up really late that first night. Uh, we didn't even go to bed that early and I left way earlier than Tony because I had two stops to make. So what time was your flight out of LAX? Did you say 10 PM? No, mine was at six, 6 PM. So 6 PM. My flight left at 9 AM. So what is that? Eight, nine hours earlier. And Damn. I got there only two hours, two and a half hours before he did. So I definitely, uh, I had to go to, uh, Minneapolis and then from mm -hmm. Minneapolis, I went to Amsterdam and then from Amsterdam over. So I was paranoid, you know, I'm tracking my bike with my air tag, making sure it's on the plane each time. And, and luckily it made it, uh, it made it there. So that was, and you, you awesome. didn't have to jump off at, or, you know, go to the baggage check at in Amsterdam or anything like that. No, or? I thought I was going to have to do that. But when I checked in, uh, at LAX, they said, Nope, all the luggage is, is checked all the way through and did customs. I did customs in Amsterdam, oh, but okay. I didn't have to do anything with my luggage. So I had already done that once I got to the, uh, you know, when I got to Finland, I just cruised on through. Hmm. Nice. And then Tony, you didn't have any issues with the bike or anything? No, I didn't have any problems at all. My bike arrived no problem. Um, and then by the time I got there, obviously Chris was already waiting and he had done, we were using the same transport company <laughs> to basically transport our bikes from Helsinki uh, to Lati. And um, because at the time that we were trying to figure out how to get our bikes to Lati, uh, I think Chris had called the train company directly and asked about bikes and they said no bikes on the trains. And so then, you know, there was a transport company that Ironman kind of, you know, directed everybody to and so we had scheduled that later to find out that you could take bikes on the train. It was just kind of a pain, but that was an option. Um, yeah, the transport company, it worked out pretty well um, going. I don't know how it worked out for you coming back, but they were just set up right there where you exit the airport doors. Like once you go through, um, you get your baggage and you kind of come out of customs. There was a guy set up there and uh, basically gave him your bike and Sometimes he gave you a receipt. Sometimes he didn't. And uh, I didn't get a receipt. So <laughs> I just handed your bike off to somebody totally yeah, random. Like, man, hopefully it shows up. I'm going to do that next race. Just you just stand at the airport with a green vest on and be like, yeah, yeah, just drop your bike here. Bike yeah. transportation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so then you guys arrived, got to the place. Did you guys go out on a shakeout run, ride, anything like that, that first day, or just kind of relax and then get everything taken care of the next day? Or how, how did that all go? Um, well, so again, we arrived and, um, you know, Chris already kind of figured things out, dropped the bike. And then we, it was trying to figure out the trains, which was a little interesting. Um, we did have to connect. And so we took the first train, which is only like maybe like a 15 minute ride, but then we end up at the station that doesn't really have like great signage for the most part. And there's like eight different tracks. And we were like, Oh, uh, 
what what do we do here? And yeah. so we were really trying to figure out, you know, what tracks to be on and what the right side to be on, especially, you know, on the train last minute, you really can't make adjustments. Um, I'm but, wondering if it's just because we're from California and don't ever use trains. So it just made no sense to me. Yeah. And maybe if you're from the East Coast and use trains all the time, you, it makes sense. But yeah, I never take a train unless I'm in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty daunting though. Like if you've ever been to like DC or something, you know, their metro system and you're just, like Tony said, oh, wait, am I supposed to be on this side? Wait, no, the train's going to go that way. We're going to go back to where we don't want to be. Yeah. We, I never know what direction and, the train's supposed to be going. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus it's Europe, right? So it's always the opposite of what should happen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we ended up figuring that out and, you know, got to the train station in Lati and then, um, our Airbnb host actually had messaged me and was like, Hey, we can pick you up from the the train station. Um, and so I let her know, well, there are, is four of us and with our luggage, I don't think it's going to work out so well. So, you know, if you could just pick up our luggage and we'll, we'll walk. Cause it was literally like, um, like less than two kilometers away. And so, um, she met us there and we were able to fit everything into the car. No problem. And yeah, so she drove us straight to the Airbnb, handed off keys and we were good to go there. So that and it was, was literally just their house, their little like two, two bedroom yeah. kind of like condo, and all their stuffs in it and everything. And they just bailed for the weekend and went and stayed somewhere else. And and we lived in their house. Uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. It's a good way to make a little extra side cash or something. And I'm sure they knew that yeah, the event was coming. Their mortgage and, for the next yeah, six months. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Damn. Well, any. I mean. So it didn't sound like you had any hiccups or, you know, Americans being in Europe type of problems, anything like that. No, not that, not that first day. And then you asked about doing a shakeout. Like, I think we all did go out for a little bit of a, a shakeout run. Um, just to, again, kind of get the legs moving, get some blood flow going after being, yeah, we had no bikes. So our goal was to get our bikes when we got there, but the transportation company said that we couldn't have them until nine in the morning the next day. So our goal was to get the bikes, get home, build them, but yeah, uh, we right. couldn't do that until the next day. Right. right. And then the, the plan was actually to do the practice from the following morning, but both of us had packed our wetsuits in our bike bags. And so we weren't going to have wetsuits for the next morning. So that kind of killed that plan. So um, neither of us got to do a practice swim at all while we were yeah. there. And while it would have been cool to go jump in that pool at the bottom of the ski slope, um, ski jump, it just, just time and, and how many athletes were there. I think if we were there earlier in the week, it might've been cool, but I think it was just so many people. There were so many bikes, so many people coming out of that little airport. I mean, we really flooded that place. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of just how any race goes, right? You think you have all this time and then all of a sudden you're, you know, less than 24 hours before the race, you're like, crap, I didn't do anything I said I was going to do besides maybe a shakeout run and ride. And I wanted to swim. I want to do this. I want to lay out that, you know, it's just kind of how it always goes. Yeah. I think for the most part, I'm usually pretty good about being able to get into the things I want to get done, done. Um, but yeah, just the way the, the, the packing of the wetsuit, I always put my wetsuit in my, in my bike bag. It's just, it's almost like an extra cushion for, for the bike. Um, and I figure if I don't have my bike, I'm not going to be racing anyway. So I don't really need the wetsuit. So I don't really mind having it in there. And, um, yeah, I didn't really anticipate not being able to pick up our bikes, uh, that same day that we landed. Um, but you know, that's just one thing I guess wasn't communicated very well from the transportation company, but, 
Uh, it wasn't that in the in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, it didn't really matter. I mean, the water in the in the lake was great. wasn't cold. wasn't I mean, it was didn't really matter. Yeah, we got a lot of runs in. I think you ran. I think we ran almost every day. I, yeah, I, the I last day I day. didn't run. I, I rode instead of ran. <clears throat> oh, nice. And no no damage to the bikes or anything like that or. No, no. I mean, I had to figure out how to put it back together. I, uh, I had not taken my chain off of this bike. Uh, so figuring out how to get it wound back on there. Uh, I did have it around a little piece of metal on one of the gears uh, on the derailleur. So messing with that, figuring out how to get that on there. And um, yeah, so... But yeah, figured it but, out. Yeah, but between the two pulley wheels, there's a uh, attachment point, and he had wrapped it around the attachment point when it's supposed to go inside um, to then roll. Yeah, you know, go to the the. Uh, so it was the making like a ninety wheel. degree. Yeah, it was making a ninety degree, so it wasn't very smooth. But yeah, uh, then once so it's just, spot, spotted it, it's like uh, <laughs> it was yeah. just scratching. It sounded really bad, and he's like, "Ah, this isn't right." And I was like, "Yeah, it sounds like something out of alignment, right?" That's yeah. what it sounded like at first. And then, like he, he kind of took a step back and glanced at it, and you could see the chain sticking out from outside the the cage. And he's like, "Oh, this isn't right." And so then he he figured out there. Uh, yeah. But I will say, definitely confidence builder of going somewhere, tearing your bike down, and having to put it back together because I don't usually have to do that. I've never done that really. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's all on you, right? It's so funny too that I, I remember Tony when I help me. <laughs> I remember when I first started riding bikes, and I was the first time I changed a chain, I did the same thing. It was on like on the outside of that cage part and it's rubbing and you're just like, Oh, well, it sounds bad today, you know? And then you realize like, Oh, this should probably go over or underneath this depending on how you're looking at it. So that's really funny. And there's yeah. all kinds of things that I knew had the bike had, but didn't really think about like the chain on uh, my chain is flat on the top. And then the bottom right has kind right. of a little figuratious shape. So, um, even just as I started to put it together, I realized, Oh, wait a second. I've got this on upside down, right? Just things I haven't had to deal with, but I realized that, yeah, I had the chain upside down. So right, start so to land your bike. As, as we're almost done, and then, you know, you hear the, the dreaded pop and then the psh. Man, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. I had a hard time with Tony's pump. So I think I probably, or maybe you did help me try and pump it up as well. You finally got it to seal, but the the tube was flat and getting on my uh it was my back tire i believe right yeah. my uh, getting his his bike pump actually threads onto the stem mm. which i've never used one that way right mine are all pressure fit so the first the front went on great the, the back i struggled with struggled with and he messed with it and then i got it all pumped up and yeah 30 seconds after i got it all pumped up it just popped so i think maybe i had pierced it or something or weakened it with pushing the stem into the back of the tube uh i don't know but, and yeah, so that's, uh, yeah. Change so fast too. forward an hour later. Oh my God, <laughs> dude, those rental, the rental rental rims, man, those things are terrible. If I knew if I got a flat in the race in that cold weather, there was no way I was going to be changing the tube. I mean, yeah, because of that, I might as well just go to uh, tubeless. Those rims you, are so hard to change. I might as well just go tubeless. Did you say you rented wheels? No, the Reynolds are the ones that oh, come Reynolds. on the, gotcha. the Canyon. <clears throat> and uh, my old one were zip, right? They were super easy to change. But this, because um, they're tubeless ready, yep. and they have that that seat, that bead, basically, you've got to get in there. <clears throat> they are so, so difficult to change. Yeah, I mean, I, I tubeless sounds like such a great idea, but I, I just, I don't think I can get sold on it yet. You know, I, I just, the tube's too easy. I've never had many issues. 
the tubeless just in, in terms of logistics scares the hell out of me, especially for a race. Yeah. The, I mean, my zips are great. So I'm, I was telling Tony, I think I'm going to sell the Reynolds, sell my zips and then buy a new set of zips that are, uh, yeah. you know, 12 speed and, yeah. uh, um, through, disc, through, uh, yeah. With the disc and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So. He, he was cussing those wheels pretty good. Dude, I and you know, when come to think of it, I, I actually picked up his camera and started recording some of the content because I was like, oh, this is what we need. And, and then the microphone wasn't plugged in. Using it. No, I used the content, but the microphone wasn't plugged in. Oh. But remember right afterwards, I'm like, hey, this isn't recording audio. The microphone wasn't plugged in. Oh. So, yeah, so we missed the audio of me just cursing. But you got to admit, <laughs> you you tried to push your thumbs on that wheel to to put it on, right? I mean, oh yeah, no, those are those are those are a bitch. I'm not even gonna like try and line or sugarcoat. Like, no, that was that was a pain. Um, like, usually you get the tire almost on right. Maybe it's like three inches of the wheel that's over the edge of the rim that's straight, and you're like struggling to put your thumbs on it and push it. There, there's like eight inches of like straight rubber on the other side of the rim that you're just trying to pry with everything you've got to get over the edge of the rim. Yeah, so. and you're always terrified, right? Of you know. Like you puncturing said, puncturing the tube. I'm worried about mm -hmm. puncturing the tube inside, right? As I'm cranking on it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that yeah, was the well. worst of, that was the worst of it was that, that, so luckily I got it out of the way before the race. So you got that done. You got some aggression out. You got to work out. And yeah, then, between that and the dryer that, that took all of my, <laughs> uh, or the washing machine, the washing machine, and the, the tire took all my aggression. And then, so you guys, that, I guess that same day had to go check bikes. Cause that's the day before the race. No, we got there Thursday. Okay. And so we didn't check bikes until Saturday. Yeah. So that oh. was Thursday. Thursday night we got all in. Friday morning we had a 9 a.m. check in. So we did a run. Did we do a run before check in? Yeah, we did a run uh, Friday did. morning before check in. Yeah. And then, then we went in. We had a 9 a.m. check in. And we were, what were we? Oh, you know, we skipped. What? We skipped the where we were dumb Americans at the grocery store Thursday night when we first got oh, there. Oh, my God. Oh, let's hear it. It's hard to buy groceries in Finland. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't want to take your money. Um, no, th so the, the the one thing that was really different for us was, you know, here you just basically bag your produce and you just take it up to the front counter and they weigh it and whatever. So over there, you actually have to weigh it yourself in the produce section and then print a label. You print your own label and put it on the bag and then take it so that at the cashier, they just scan it. They're very honest there, apparently. No one's sneaking in an extra banana after they weighed it, apparently. Yeah, that's so. kind of like, I've seen some Whole Foods do that, right? I think with like bulk nuts. I don't know if you've ever seen that where you can, same thing, I think weigh it and, and then it prints out a label for whatever nut it is and then they can scan that label. <laughs> Could you have picked a so. different thing besides nuts? <laughs> well, what's wrong with nuts, Tony? <laughs> just so about weighing your nuts, Austin. <laughs> uh, relatively, they're not that heavy, but, you know, I usually don't have they to spend much on nuts. They always exceed the weight of the scale. <laughs> <laughs> exceed the weight of the scale. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I mean... So, so I'm assuming you took the produce up to the front, and they're like, what "The hell are you guys doing?" They're just looking at you, like, "What is the fuck's yeah, wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah, well, well. So my sister and all three and Chris, of us are at separate stands. Yeah, <laughs> my sister and Chris went to the self checkout, and I was like, "I'm going to be the smart one and just go to the cashier and let them deal with it." <clears throat> and she didn't really speak English, so that didn't work out so well. But she just kind of like looked at the bag, and she's like, "Nope." <laughs> she like, just handed it back to me. I was like, 
what do I do? And she's, she, you know, she's explained that they need to label or something. And so I was like, oh, oh okay. And yeah, so like, we well, had all three checkout stands this place blocked. Yeah. Stupid so like, Americans. Just, just check me out for the other stuff and I'll go back and label my produce. Um, oh, and so then like some other guy came and was helping out Chris and, and my sister. And then, um, then I asked him, I was like, how do I, so how do I print these labels? Can you show me? And so then that way for future reference, right? I figured we were going to be back here. And uh, so he walked me back and I got to learn how to use the little label making machine in the produce section, which was cool. And then I, I got back, was able to check out. I figured it out of, <laughs> so to exit after you pay, there's like these doors and you just scan your receipt and then it opens the doors and you walk through. So I, I got through and then the doors close and turn around and uh, Chris just tries to fight his way through these doors and <laughs> the alarm goes off. <laughs> oh, my God. These fuckers in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had, I had bagged his sister's groceries and mine together, right? And of course, I threw the receipt in the bag first and I put all the crap on top of it. And then I can't get out the door. So now I got to go back and like unbag the groceries and find the receipt. And it's just like, God, you just saw me with the receipt. I just paid. The, the doors are two feet away. Yeah, and then well, the other thing he was like, I didn't understand. Like, I was like, you guys didn't see me just scan my receipt to get these doors open. Like, no, I was busy trying to weigh my nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I could just see Chris just got these these fucking doors. What open? What's going on? Let me out. I did. I pushed through, and the alarm went off. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god! I just would love to have heard the conversation between the checkers after we left. Because there was I'm a sure customer the standing there, like talking trash. I swear he was talking trash about us because he was talking to the poor checkout boy that we had running around all over the place, and he was sitting there, kind of with a smirk on his face, talking to him. So I know he was talking trash about us. He's like, "We're gonna have to deal with this all weekend. We got all these Americans here." Well, it's it's uh, it's funny because I I heard from a few people that that's that event area really isn't meant to host that many people. I mean, did you guys kind of get that feel or, I mean, were, was it crowded going to the grocery store restaurants, anything We like were that? far enough out of the town, I think. I mean, we were in Latie, but we were, what we, 1.2 miles or something? What were we? What, from the, from the village? Yeah, it probably wasn't even 1.2, maybe like point, what was it? Point eight? It was point, point eight walking to the, yeah. to the village. But the village where we went, didn't really feel like downtown. It was a convention center. It was the where where you saw the big um, ski lift, the ski jump, and the pool. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't, which I was really disappointed in. There weren't a bunch of like cafes and coffee shops, and there wasn't. I mean, maybe had we walked a little further, but where we went to check in, I mean, you basically went straight in. You went right past the arena where the track was at. And right into um, basically the convention center is what it is. So there's a bunch of big buildings and then they set up the village kind of in the center in the open area. Yeah. So I I never felt, the city never felt crowded to me. Um, The grocery store seemed like just like a normal like neighborhood grocery store that we walked to. Uh, yeah, even like the roads. There weren't a lot of cars on the roads. Mm -hmm. I think everybody left town to get away from all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's it's really likely. interesting. But, and they do have a, a pretty good, like, the rental bike, rental scooter system that seems like a lot of locals rely on heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get to use any of them, but... Yeah, I yeah. attempted. Uh, we were going to use the bikes on the morning of the race to get to the race start, but <laughs> I downloaded the app and it, I couldn't get it to figure out GPS drop-off locations, so I, I gave up and we... Because it was a long that, walk to get to the swim start from us. 
that one as well as you getting out the doors at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So everything's settled. You guys get checked in. I mean, any nerves to the race or you guys are both kind of, we're here, we're, we're I think racing. We were pretty relaxed up through, um, yeah, I mean, the day of drop-off, that, the logistics of that, because the swim was so far away, um, you know, you didn't have to drive to it, but it wasn't where the T2 was some different than T1, right? There was, how far were they in between, Tony? A mile? It's about a mile between them, yeah. Yeah, so, and it's not that far, but, you know, you had to get your bikes where we were, so we're 0.8 to the first transition, then another mile to the next transition. So it was almost two miles by the time, you know, so we had to ride our bikes down there, drop all our gear off, and then you got to walk all the way back. So a uh, day before the race, just walking, lots and lots of walking. So I think Tony was about to die every time somebody wanted to stop and talk to us. It was just like, I was just going to ask. So bad. I was just um, going to ask if Chris was getting stopped left and right. And nobody Tony knew was me. Like, I told him my, my ego took a blow. All these elite Europeans, all these, nobody knew who I was. I was just like, nobody wants a picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris is carrying around his camera. So he's like, oh, I know. Hey. I'm like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we, we were, um, so the, for the female race and the day before for us, I mean, we were, well, we did a shakeout that morning. You, you rode, I, I ran, then we went back to, we could walk like literally maybe what, three minutes to yeah. the portion of the bike course where we could see. Uh, yeah, basically at the end of our street, our street was kind of like a, kind of like half circle right at the end of our street, the women were right. And that's where the bike course was at. Yeah. So we walked out there and saw the, you know, the pros go by and, you know, took some video and stuff. And then we waited around for a few athletes and then, um, and then went, went back to kind of watch some of the race, um, from the Airbnb and then ended up passing out for, oh for a little bit. Oh my God. We were out cold. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but we already had our, our stuff situated. Then we decided like, we we're going to obviously ride our bikes to, T1 since it was so far away and like right all the way around um, because the way it was the way T1 was situated it was kind of in the middle of a park and every direction to get to it from like the south was like a, a dirt path and I was like I'm not riding my bike on that I'm not pushing my bike on that and there were athletes that were which I was oh kinda, my god yeah that's brave um, so we rode all the way around to the north side of the park basically um <laughs> For those of you who can't see the podcast, it's audio only. Tony and I are just like crashed out on the couch in this picture that uh, his sister took us. Um, So yeah, so we rode all the way around, dropped our bikes, and then we have to, you know, then walk that mile to, you know, T2, drop our our run bags. And yeah, we kind of got stopped a little bit in uh, T1 because we were talking to Rebecca and Kim and kind of getting their feel and things like that and just some of the logistics that they were dealing with and kind of some heads up for us. Um, and I mean, then, I will say it was so spread out and because we were, you know, it's like 20 minutes round trip every time we went to the, or not 20 minutes, more like 35, 40 minutes every time we would walk down to T1, kind of where the village was at. We didn't spend a lot of time down there. So I'd say that's why we didn't, we didn't see a lot of people. You yeah. Because it, it didn't feel... Some races feel festive in the village, I feel like, right? You go down there and everybody's hanging out and it's like built right down in the downtown. So a lot of people are there. I felt like this wasn't like that as much, right? It was kind of get in, do your thing and get out. And so, 
Yeah. But it, it was very calming. Like we even oh, talked yeah. about like it doesn't oh, yeah. the, the day I, like the day before we're like, I don't feel like I need a race tomorrow. This doesn't feel like there's no there's no anxiety of of, you know, I need to I need to get mentally prepared or locked in. It's just yeah, this is cool, this is fun. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I, I wonder if it is spread or they, they choose to do that so that because it's over two days, right? So they don't want all the athletes racing the next day to be in the surrounding area and, you know, maybe causing issues for those who are racing, those sorts of things. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, it works out really well because obviously the women race the day before. And since this is a split transition, all their bikes are now in T2 and leaves the, all the racks open for the males to then rack. Yeah, and, similar and to St. George, right? Same type yeah. of thing where yep. the, the women are kind of moving away from where the men are going in to drop their gear off each, yeah. each stage. But Tony, it looked like you got a really good rack position. Dude, he's right up front with the pros, practically. <laughs> yeah, he was I almost no in idea. the pros. Right, right on the end. Oh, I man. couldn't have, like literally, if I would have selected, a, like I was, uh, I was on the end, row D. Like if I, <laughs> if I could have picked any position in that transition, I would have picked the end rack row A, like literally three spots up probably um, was the only thing I would have changed. And so when I walked, I just started laughing. I, I typically have the best luck with racking positions. I'm typically always at the end of a rack. I don't know how it definitely works out. AWA. He was, it was, it was, I was going to say it's like gold status. Because yeah, I platinum. was 3,844. So I was 3,500 bikes away from him. I mean. <laughs> well, so when. I was row Z. Because I always tend to get pretty good luck with racks too, but I think it's because I'm always signing up at the very beginning of the window of a race. So Tony, when did you qualify? And then Chris, when did you qualify? I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Well, nowadays when we get to a race, at least for me, because I use AWA, your rack is based on when you walk up, right? Your number isn't pre-assigned anymore. Uh, at least well, these were pretty signed. These were for world championships. Yeah, but yeah, yes, yes. seventy point threes for me in the last year or so. Your numbers assigned on the fly, right? right? For so the most part, based on when you get there, you somewhat get. You know, they kind of go in order. So if you're AWA, you're going to get in that first two hundred or, or whatever. But yeah, our numbers were assigned, but our numbers were also assigned based on age group. So because Tony was the first wave. He was the bottom. I was the last wave. So we were like thirty five hundred to four thousand. Yeah. Mm. So it's by age group and then it's in alphabetical order. Yeah. So like I'm all like I'm typically always racked by the same people. So like that's why I'm always next to um Macias and the, the guy who always wins is Joshua Monda. So I'm M A, he's M O, and so he's always like right next to me. Yeah. Just gotta stick to him more often. And he was. He was sitting there right next to him at the World Championships. Yeah, we we were we were talking pre race and he was actually talking about um I guess he's he's gonna turn pro next year which gets him out of having to race him all the time but he's like he's like oh yeah you're Tony Macias so you know we've raced a few times and I was like yeah and then we talked about Oregon and because I last time I racing was Oregon and he's like oh yeah he's like when's when that was the last time we raced right and I was like well I don't really call it racing when you're 15 minutes ahead of me but yeah we do the same events you know <laughs> um and by the way this guy took second in the world championships yeah that's awesome that's great so yeah, he's going he, pro next year, and you're like, going, "Thank God!" Yeah, in his forties, he's going pro. And I think I it's just it. a, it's just a financial thing, right? I mean, it's so much cheaper to go pro, you know, get that buy the the pro license, and then you can race as much as you want because he races quite a bit, obviously. And 
Um, so yeah, you do three events and you basically make your money back that way. So, and also the benefit of being able to like register last minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I was looking at the results even from this, this past year in Oregon, he would have been like the, I don't know, the 18th pro or something like that. And so he would have beat 20, 20 something other pros. And he wasn't even the last place pro in worlds with his time at worlds. Right. Yeah. He was near the bottom, but he actually wasn't, wouldn't have been the last pro to finish. So yeah, yeah he's legit. And then, so Chris, you didn't really love your rack spot, but what, yeah, I mean, I mean, out of the water, it wasn't really that big a deal. The, it, right. the well, I mean, transitions. He, he started so late. And so by the time he got to, to T1, his bike was like the Dude, only bike left so in, the, in the transition. So oh my God, it's so disheartening, right? First of all. <laughs> two hour wait yeah, from, two, from when Tony two, took from off. From when Tony even. started, right? Yeah. And we got there by 6 a.m. Or, or earlier, right? I think we got there maybe close to 5.30. So it was four hours I waited down there before I started. Um, but yeah, the, the transition zones were, once you kind of went through it, it started to make sense. But when you looked at it, they were long and winding and they did a really good job with volunteers and the flow of the way they forced you. Like when you went in, you followed basically right a path all the way down, you got your bags. And then if you were going to the bike, you had to go a certain way in transition. You could only go one way on the aisles. So they made all the traffic flow one way, which was really, really good. Um, but yeah, for me, again, starting at the end of the race, it's pretty disheartening to see um, 3,000 bikes missing, right? And then there's a group of, you know, and luckily I started fairly early. I think I was maybe the 30th one in, in my age group getting in the water. So there were hundreds of guys behind me, but you, you get there and it's just like all the bags are gone. All the bikes are gone. Everything's just like, oh my God, we really are at the very end of the race. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had a big enough group to kind of race with, but did it feel, I mean, swim is the swim, right? You know, you get out of yep. the water. Did you feel lonely on the bike at all or? No, no. Um, well, especially placing myself where I did, um, there are some super fast guys. So I did feel lonely in the fence that I felt like everybody was passing me on the bike, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, luckily there were some other age groups ahead of us that I, you know, I, I actually did catch some guys on the swim. I did catch some, you know, you do catch guys on the bike, but, um, but no, I guess back to pre-race morning, I wanted Tony to, cause Tony ended up telling me a little later that they were talking about me a little bit. We woke up race morning and I woke up with like borderline migraine. And, uh, I was struggling for hours, just felt horrible. Like I needed to throw up. Like I just, I just had the worst headache. And uh, apparently you guys were talking about it a little bit that, uh, you didn't, whether you didn't think I would make it or you, you knew that there was, I wasn't, I wasn't faking it. (laughs) Yeah. You just didn't look so good. And so I was like, ah, this could be a struggle today. Um, for Chris, like if he's not, you know, if he doesn't come around, yeah, yes, one, they don't drink day. coffee. So nobody in that house drank coffee. So for days, I, I did buy some little Starbucks drinks, but I'm used to having my coffee, right? A good three cups a day. And uh, Jesus, I hadn't three had cups? any. Yeah, Holy three hell. cups. I mean, I'm on cup number two right now, and it's only oh my uh, God. 10, eight, eight, 10 in the morning. Um, but uh, yeah, so didn't have that. So finally, the day before the race, I did opt not to run, and I took my bike to a gas station and found a little coffee shop. But I don't know if it was that. It was probably the anxiety probably the jet lag, lack of sleep, all that. But luckily I did get a couple title and all 
from his sister right before we started to head to the walk. And uh, so I hadn't eaten hardly anything at that point. I was just, I was struggling. Um, but I think the walk, getting the Tylenol in, and then by the time I started the race, I was fine. But yeah, I, was, so, I was worried there for a while that I, yeah. I man, I, I did not feel good. Uh, do you think that anything would have kept you from racing or were you just going to do it and just suck it yeah, up? Yeah, I knew when I actually went out at um, like 4.30 in the morning and jogged up and down the street just trying to see like if I get the blood flowing, you know, will it ease? And, and yeah, when you're running, right, it kind of eases. And so I knew when I hit the water that it would probably go away. Uh, but luckily it was pretty much gone by that point. Nice. So, but I've never woken up and felt that sick on race morning. On a so. race morning. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I had a built-in excuse then. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you exceeded expectations. <laughs> yeah. But, but how, I mean, so uh, for, for you, Tony, I mean, you started, mm, I don't know what, maybe 30, 45 minutes behind the pros. Is that kind of where like your wave was? 10 minutes, 10 minutes. right? Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. they started yeah. 7.30 and he started 7.40, right? Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, so you're kind of at the front of the race or, or, you know, not too far off. And then did you have any issues with seating in the swim or anything? Or was it pretty fair and everybody kind of understood what to do? Yeah, no. It, it, I mean, we have one of the largest age groups uh, represented there. So it was definitely a, a pretty large group. Um, and I think I had situated myself, you know, within the first, like, five or six rows originally. Um, but once, once they, they go to move you up after the pros had been let off, well, they moved us up and, you know, everybody's got to kind of cut and move their way up. And it's like, you're not going anywhere and we're all going to get in the same, you know, it's like your time doesn't, like, who cares? So, Which is so funny because that happens in the line, right? Of every swim. But yeah. in Europe in general, I was telling, I was talking to them about it. Europe in general, uh, they don't queue for anything, right? So Americans, Brits, we all get in a line, right? That's just, we do that. We're trained to get in a line. They don't do that shit in Europe, man. They just, it's like free for all. Everybody's coming in in the front. If somebody wants to, we were watching the women race or watching Tony. When we were waiting for you to get to into the swim uh, queue, uh, you know, people just, they just come up, push you out of the way. They're just like, get out of the way. I'm getting in front of you. And it's just like, holy crap, right? They just, they don't give a crap about it. Yeah. So. And, and I was kind of maintaining my position because Nadi was right on the, on the other side of the fence next to me. So I, I didn't want to like try and fight my way further up just to stand and not, you know, be farther away from, from her. And, um, it made no sense. So I just let it happen. And but, then it's, it was uh, groups of like five or six ten. or 10. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And it was pretty cool. I, I mean, it, we had talked about it, um, how it was the first time for us diving into, uh, a swim start, which was cool. Um, I was, was going to ask, did you guys jump or dive? I, I made the mistake of diving. I and, do. Um, I, 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 think great dive. I, I screwed that <laughs> up it. and my Worth goggles, it. you know, kind of got filled with water and, um, I, I will say like, I had four hours of thinking about what I was going to do. It was way too long <laughs> to think about it. <laughs> well, and I, I kept like watching the guys in front of me, like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And like calculating like how far the guys who are jumping feet first are from the person who's diving. And I was like, well, I don't want to give up. Like that's like four seconds right there. This guy diving out. So I was like, I'm, I'd already made the decision. Like I'm diving no matter what. Yeah. And I didn't think it'd be a problem. I, I <clears throat> dove plenty of times, you know? Um, but I think I, uh, I don't know. I think I just like glanced up way too soon. And right as I was trying to move my head forward, the goggles kind of got pulled down a little bit. And so I don't know. I took like 
I don't know, 12, 15 strokes with my goggles full of water and I really can't see anything. And I'm thinking like, all right, well, like, can I make it through this swim like this or do I need to try and correct it? And it became apparent that I really couldn't see much. So, um, flipped over my back, did like two strokes, backstroke, pulled the goggles off and reseated them pretty quickly and then flipped back over. And luckily that was good enough to be able to see and they sealed without any, any issue of water leaking any, you know, anything additional at that point. So, um, I maybe only lost, I'd say that maybe five seconds in the whole ordeal of, you know, the flipping, turning, fixing yeah. and, and going back over. So not, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But you did see guys after guys, I mean, that would, they dive in as soon as they dove in, they turn over and either goggles had flown yeah. down or they were messing with them. Um, so when I, you know, when I pulled up, I, I put my cap almost all the way over, they were over my goggles, like towards the top a little bit. So I could see my, my cap was blue. So I could actually see the rubber kind of at the top of my goggles. So, um, yeah, no, the dive, I had a great dive, but I felt like I, when I dove, I actually ended up kind of off track a little bit. And so I was, I was immediately swimming, which I didn't realize somewhat off course, so I ended up getting a boat in front of me, eventually like flagging me to make a right turn and, and get back on course. So, um, yeah, I definitely didn't take the best line, but I was the front guy out there. I definitely dove and was in the water and I was like loving it. Cause I'm looking at first and it's like, oh yeah, I'm the furthest guy out in my 10 guys. So, right. Right. <laughs> and then that faded pretty quickly or yeah, did once you the boat to... got in front of me okay. and they're like, make a turn, you idiot. You're off course. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you were alone. Cause nobody yeah. else was off course. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't alone. I was actually going the wrong direction. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and then the swim was pretty easy, right? I mean, it was like one big U essentially. Is that? Yeah, it was kind of like you went straight and then you had to make a left. So the buoys were on your left, right, Tony? Yep. And then there was a left turn. Well, the cool thing about it was the buoys, um, the turn buoys were the big triangle buoys you always see, but they had big Ironman emblems on them. So they were really distinct. And then the in-between buoys were not triangles. They were actually like these orange, tall, cylinder, like cylinder-shaped um, cones. So they were really easy to see because they were tall and they were orange and they were definitely a different, you know, they weren't the same um, shape. So you swam out maybe like 500 and made a left. Um, so that was the only buoys that were on your left. And then the rest of the time, then you made like a big U and then you made a right and then you made a right and then you were headed back into shore. So the shores you started on were, um, it's not like you, you know, the shore where you go out and you come back to the same shore. You actually started on one area, one shore, um, and then you kind of made these jogs and then you, you landed on kind of the shore to the right of the, of the lake. Which is closer to transition, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. It was right at transition. Okay. And then, yeah. so yeah, so no, pretty uneventful swim went pretty well for yeah, both getting out was easy. It wasn't like Oregon with some huge ramp you got to go up or anything. I mean, the stairs, I don't know, Tony, uh, the stairs were pretty easy to, to, to swim up on top of and, and get out of. Yeah. There was some um, congestion for me trying to get out, but other than that, yeah, I think the, the stairs were pretty well carpeted and easy to get out of and yeah, they had wetsuit strippers, but I went, I just went by them. There were people. Peelers. Peelers. Correct. Come peelers. on, strippers. 
strippers You're weighing nuts got strippers going on Man, <laughs> yeah the right. wetsuit peelers uh, in hindsight i should have used uh, them most likely because i i got my wetsuit all off except one foot and i decided to sit down for some reason and it was up at my shin or like my knee and when i sat down and i pulled it down it like all bunched at my ankle so now I have like four rolls rolled on top of each other, trying to get it off of my left foot. And I struggled and struggled and then finally had to stand up and like pull it back up. And yeah, so the, that was probably the first time I've ever struggled to get my wetsuit off. And I will not sit, sit down again <laughs> before I get it off of my legs. And, and water temp was good or was it? Cold what they say, 67, 68? Uh, yeah, I thought it was 60, 66 for us, 68 for the women. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah it felt yeah. great. It was never perfect. It didn't feel cold at all. Yeah. And then you guys hit hit the splits you want and everything, or did you guys swim off I was pace a little or? slower than I, I thought I would be. Um, I mean, there was traffic. You were catching people. I did swim off course a little bit. Um, so uh, I thought I could swim between a th- maybe a high, thir- like just under 31 to 32, and I actually ended up swimming um, – 33 or 34. So I was actually like two minutes slower than I wanted to be. Okay. And then for me, I, I mean, I had a rough because we had the benefit of being able to see the women's times that were, that were swimming the day before. And so I had a pretty good gauge of, of thinking of, okay, like I know I swim around what these people swim. So any, like for me, I was like anything under 34 would probably be like a, a pretty decent day. And I ended up going the third, I went 32, 12, Okay, nice. So, you know, I think maybe a a better dive and not having a goggle problem, maybe I go sub 32. So that was, I was really happy with, with the swim. Um, I don't swim with a watch, so I I never know what my swim time is unless either uh, my sister typically would yell it to me um, once it comes up on the tracker at some point. uh, So what did you swim? 32, 32, 12. Okay. Yeah. I went 33, 35. So I win. And you you won everywhere. You won (laughs) everywhere. But Chris started, Chris started way later. The water was way faster. Oh my God. Yeah. Water was, it was glass for you. Yeah. I had 3000 worth of urine to swim through. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you had 3000 athletes creating a current for you to pull you along. Oh yeah. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, overall, like I, I, I never really know how the swim went unless I'm told or then at the end of the day, I'll, I'll look at it. So this, after this one, I didn't know yeah. how I had swam until after the race. But I mean, yeah. Cause you said you didn't, didn't wear a watch or anything, but yeah. I mean, did you, did you feel pretty good about it or it, I mean, it felt good. Um, I was, I was making moves through the water pretty well, um, and passing quite a bit of people. And that always worries me sometimes because I'm always like, well, did these people just see themselves really poorly, which has happened before. Like sometimes I feel like I have a great swim because I'm passing so many people. I get out and it's like a 35 or 36. I'm like, holy shit. Because then you, you waste so much time um, kind of maneuvering through traffic. And then by the time you you find feet that you think are fast just because they're relatively fast compared to everything else you've been swimming um, this person is probably like your speed and now you're like sitting behind them, which isn't doing much. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of deceiving at times. I would say this time, like I never really found feet, but what I would do was if I saw somebody coming up on me as they were making up, like making a pass, I would, obviously I knew they were much, much faster at that point. So I would just jump on their feet and put in a good effort 
uh, to hold their feet as long as possible and then just wait for the next guy to try and make a pass and then I do the same thing over again. Yeah, it's got to be nice too, right? I mean, it's I guess it's probably probably only one or maybe two age groups ahead of you that you may catch. So did you see any other colored caps and you were like, oh, okay, so... Well, his were pros, the, right? His yeah, were all so pros. I just, I just I mean, had me, pros and handicapped ahead of me. Yeah, you, didn't you didn't catch any pros, pros, Tony? Come on. No. I had every age group ahead of me. So um, I definitely did catch some different caps. There were right in front of me, there was, I think, one of the oldest age groups. I think they were in pink. I caught those. And then maybe one of the youngest or one of the younger age groups, uh, silver. And I caught some of those. Um, which was, which was good. Felt good. Yeah. It's always nice when you start to see those other colored caps. Yeah. yeah. Chris is swimming through a rainbow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then, so any, any issues in transition? I mean, it seemed like it went pretty, I mean, it looked like a short transition, but it looked like it went well for both. It was guys. A long I, I, transition. It's a long transition. Oh my God. Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's similar to Oceanside where they make you, cause they want to make everybody run the equal distance because it's a world championship race. And so you, you basically have to circle all the way around transition as you exit. Um, and on, you have double the amount of bikes, right? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. So you, and then you, so you grab your bag, go to, you know, like the bench changing area station, and then you run out and run further out away from your bikes to the, to the bag drop off. Yeah. There were 3,321 men that finished. Yeah. Well, oh, so finished. that's, that's, so, yeah. that's double right. almost, right? Then a yeah. lot of races, right? You go to Arizona, it's like 1,200 athletes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then as you exited again, like I think that the way Chris was describing, like they were really controlling the flow of traffic. So you, everybody had to enter in from tra- to get your bike, to go down your bike row from the same side. So we were all on, had to enter on the left side. So we all flowed the same direction as you grabbed your bike and, and headed out, which again was, I thought was cool because there's been times in races where I'm grabbing my bike and I'm going to run out with my bike and somebody's coming the opposite direction, running towards me, um, mm-hmm. as they're entering transition. So, uh, this made it very clean. And I mean, I was on the end of a rack anyway with my little pro racking spot. So it was pretty awesome just to, to cleanly run through easy to find my bike, obviously at, being at the end and grab and go. So n- no problems there. Yeah, no, everything was clearly marked. They had a ton of volunteers directing traffic. I mean, the people there were amazing. The volunteers were amazing. So I'll definitely yeah. say that. And yeah, I, mounting on the bike was pretty easy. It was just. And then yeah. starting so so far apart, we we basically, I think, had different weather patterns throughout our races. Well, yeah. um, but once I started, I already was starting to have like sprinkles fall onto my visor. And so I figured it's going to be a wet race. And um, by the, like the further out that we went, the harder the, the rain got. So they think the storm was kind of farther out for us, but, um, yeah. And then early on, I think mile like five or five or eight, like my glutes started almost like just acting up or started to feel really tight. And I thought it was going to be a long day. I was like, okay, like I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to put out power and arrow with, with my glutes the way they are, but, uh, I ended up loosening up a, a few miles later. I was putting out really good power. Um, that first half, I wasn't, uh, I'd talked to John and John said to basically to go by feel. So I wasn't actually looking at any power numbers. It just felt really good. And I was making, um, a lot of progress through the field with, again, knowing there weren't that many people in front of me. Cause I started towards the front of my age group and I figured there aren't, there aren't that many, you know, great swimmers ahead of me. So, um, the fact that I was making that much progress early on felt really good. 
And did you ever look at your power number? What you ended up putting out? Um, I, I did after, um, I'm not going to say what it was, but yeah, oh, yeah, I, I you're did. Mr. Hydropower guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, through the first, through the first 28 miles, so the first half, I was, I was at 24.6 miles an hour average. I, and so I knew it was going to be a, a pretty quick day. Um, and then I started getting caught. I was getting past at, you know, I'm doing All like the second half, the second half of it or, um, yeah, but I was still, I mean, I'm looking down and there were sections where, you know, I'm doing like 25, 26 miles an hour and getting past, like there's just some really strong oh bikers God, coming up behind so me. so fast. It was really impressive to see. Um, and for me, like the descents worked out really well with that. I, again, I have that 56, uh, chain ring. And, um, so a lot of people were spinning out and yeah, I, was I was definitely to, spinning out. Yeah, I was able to maintain uh, some some pretty steady power on the descents and and power by a lot of people, uh, but then ultimately get caught on the other side or get caught a little bit little later because these guys are just just moving. These are there were some strong riders out there, and it definitely um, wasn't like a front loaded or a certain section of the course that was hilly, kind of like St. George, right? You had some hills coming out of the water. And then it wasn't too bad. And then you get to Snow Canyon. You've got a big climb there. This was pretty relentless. It was pretty constant, right? You're either mm -hmm. going up and kind of going down, kind of going up. And and the, they weren't rolling in the sense that you had a lot of momentum to carry you through. So it was this kind of constant negotiation of, am I going slow enough now up this hill that I should sit up or should I stand up or, right? And you're kind of looking at your power. It's like, okay, I feel like I'm going slow, but I'm still doing 20 miles per hour up this grade. But then it's like, okay, I'm hitting 17. I need to, I'm going to sit up, get out of arrow, stretch my back, stand up towards the top of the hill. And, um, and like Tony said, when I started, it was raining already, right? When I got in the water, it was already raining. So when I got on the bike coming out of the city, you, you go, it's a big square essentially. And, um, you, you kind of ride through the town, you go right by our place and there's a bunch of, um, roundabouts. And they were, it was already super wet and super slick already as soon as, as I hit the bike. And, and it rained on me the entire, the entire bike. And to the point where when we were out there and far out in kind of the, the fields, it was pelting in the face to the point where I was tucking my chin, trying not to get hit in the face. It felt like hail, right? It was coming down that hard. Uh, yeah, that's, but on that's the, rough. The other side is my bike was fairly clean at the end. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you could pee on it as much as you want. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then I remember uh, Tony, you were saying too. It was you know fairly cold on your hands, and you were going to pull out nutrition and kind of fumbled it a little bit. You just didn't have that dexterity, right? Yeah. So it, it was pretty cold, and and around the halfway point, that's when I was going to um, take an extra gel because I was planning on overbiking. So I was like, oh, I'm going to take some, some extra nutrition that I wouldn't normally take. And then I have like, um, a little pill case that I have some extra stuff in that I take typically halfway through the bike and, um, fumbled both those things out of my fingers. They just couldn't, I, I got them out of my pocket. Okay. But as I was bringing them around, um, yeah, just, my fingers didn't work and, and I dropped them both. And so at that point I decided, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to push the way I really want to, to maintain what I'm doing. Um, and so I decided to back off based on feel again, uh, and kind of ease into it for the, for the remaining. But, uh, yeah, I went through the first half in one Oh eight 
and in talking, well, not in talking, but in listening to um, Taylor Nib, yeah, me and Taylor talk. Uh, in listening to Taylor Nib's post race, she talked about the second half being slower and how she positive split it. Um, I think by like three or four minutes, if I remember correctly. And so I knew the second half was going to be uh, going to be a little slower. And so I thought, okay, well, if I went through and went away, if I can come through in like you know one eleven, one twelve, it'd be it'd be a, a pretty good pretty good day for me. Um, again, coming out in two twenty, so that's, that was kind of like what I was targeting around that that time. Um, and then around that time frame, I had a uh, a moto ref with with me and my group probably from like mile twenty four to mile fifty. That was just kind of staying within us. Um, and when I mean within my group, like there was basically like seven to 10 riders that were all kind of of similar ability. And at times like, you know, two would take off and then they'd come back and we'd lose one off the back, but then a new one would join. Right. And we're all kind of um, just making our way through and stronger at different points of, or areas of, of the race based on the profile. But, um, that rough, I thought it was really cool to just to have somebody there and keep everything really, really honest. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up coming through in just over what, 220, 221.05. So, I mean, it would have been nice to shave those five seconds off and see a 220 number like I had wanted, but, um, overall really happy with, with the ride felt really strong coming off of that, that bike and, um, came off ready to run. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, was that on par with what your plan was, or better than what you expected, or you know, better than I expected? I mean, I I had I had really softball type goals that I had given to Nadia to, as expectations. I think I actually gave her, um, I think I gave her a number of like a two thirty or something like that to of, of an expected finish time. Um, yeah just cause like I knew it was going to be a hillier course. Um, it had around the same climbing that Hawaii had that I just done. And I think I biked Hawaii in like 228, but Hawaii was very hot. And, and so, but here I was just like, nah, you know, I don't know. I'm not, not really like racing for anything. And so I just thought I'll give it a two thirty number and just kind of be safe. No, no real high expectations there. Um, in regards to the roads, the roads were super, super smooth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They were uh, so nice. Yeah. I wish I could ride roads like that every day. There's and even in the, we talked about it, the, even in the spots where there was damage, you can see it where they like had repaired it and where they repaired it was like a, just a darker shade of, of black. And, um, if you got on those sections, it was so smooth. The road noise just went quiet. It was just like, whoosh. Yeah, I was kind of scared of them at first because it's wet, right? So it's super wet. You're thinking, uh, mm -hmm. I don't want to hit one of these things. But then eventually I hit one and it was like, oh my God, I'm going to aim for these things. Yeah. Yeah. So the, like the rolling resistance just like was almost <laughs> felt like negative. Like you one of those things. It was almost like hitting the little uh, triangles in Mario Kart, right? Like you're like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it felt, felt so good just to hit those things. And uh, for the most part, like, <sighs> 
everything was well marked too. So even yeah. uh, there was one section that was a little beat up where they, I don't know if they just didn't get around to it or, or what happened, but ran me right at time, but um, they just, it was really well marked. There was a sign that said like, you know, bumpy road ahead. And then there was spray painted like crazy and orange. So you like, you, you really couldn't miss it. Um, with the rain, it did make the road a little slick. And so like some of those S turns and curves were a little, a little hairy. Um, I almost lost the rear twice. It came out around and was able to stay upright, but, uh, it did make you kind of be a little warier through those turns. Cause those turns inherently had a lot of painted sections as well, just for traffic signage and stuff mm-hmm. on the ground. So like you're turning, it's wet and it's painted. So, um, yeah. Yeah. One thing I saw that Tony didn't see is, uh, because I was so much further back in the race, um, riding along, um, maybe past halfway, all of a sudden you, they did a really good job. Every area that there might've been a, a road that came out onto the race course, there were people staged. There were constantly people out there in green vests, right? They drove their cars out there and they were staged everywhere along the race course. So if you had trouble, you were most likely were going to be near someone that could call on a radio, whatever it was. And, uh, a little over halfway, I started noticing, there's like a tri bike leaning next to one of the cars, and it's like, huh, I wonder why they brought their bike out here, right? And then you go a little further, and then all of a sudden there's two tri bikes leaning next to a car, and you kind of just start to see every time there was one of these cars, there was a bike leaning next to it. And then eventually I came upon a, uh, a little bus coming the opposite direction, and there's a guy with a, uh, an emergency blanket, one of those silver blankets, getting onto the bus. And I look at the bus, and I can see it's full of athletes. So people that just, they were too cold, they had mechanical issues, whatever it was, they were done for the day. Um, so I had never seen that many people, um, yeah, bailing out on the bike at that point. Right. And being so far back, I got to see everybody who bailed out on the bike. Um, you know, even seeing guys walking their bikes up certain Hills, things like that. So, um, yeah. But overall, I mean, I was happy with the, I mean, I wasn't unhappy with the bike. I think I was, I was nervous because I'm a bigger guy, right? So hilly courses are not in my favor. Um, uh, so I think I was very conservative on it and knowing that the second half was slower and I was slower in the second half, right? Yeah. Those first, um, probably half, you know, I was looking at like 23 every, you know, per lap. And then pretty soon I had some 18s towards the back end where the Hills and the, and the Hills never disappeared. Right. It was like, Oh, we're finally past the hilly section. They just kept coming (laughs) and they kept coming. Um, and yeah, I thought I got my first drafting penalty actually in the race because I came up on a group of guys right as we came up to a hill and they were all, they all kind of bunched up right at this hill. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go over left and just power past it and started going past and got maybe past five or six of them. And one of the guys right behind the first guy cut over right in front of me, never looked back like inches from my tire. And right as he's coming over, I can hear the moto coming up on my left and the moto comes up right up next to me and they just pause. And he like taps on his shoulder, the official, and, and they just pause right next to me. I just looked at him. I'm like, what do I do? Right. He, he literally just came right over and blocked me. I could cross the center line or, you know, what, what do I do? I can't back at this point. Right. I've already entered his draft zone. And I just looked at him and I was yelling at the guy left, left, left. And finally he got over and, and, and I just like powered on by and the moto just kind of stayed around for a little while. And I kept waiting for him to pull up next to me and like, show me something, right. He's waiting, he's looking at my number, he's writing stuff down. And then eventually he just zoomed by 
and uh, you know, Tony had mentioned he was probably watching like what was my intent, right? Was I drafting? Was you know, did he just catch me at a bad moment? And and yeah, he didn't give me a penalty. And it was probably um, within three or four minutes because right after that, I saw the penalty tent, the last penalty tent. Um, and yeah, I was like, do I double check? What do I do? Right. And, uh, <laughs> and he never showed me a card, so I just figured I'm safe. So, and you got to uh, finish. So yeah, clearly it wasn't an issue. And then that Hill, uh, for anybody who watched the race, uh, we saw Taylor go up it, but I mean, it wasn't, you, you kind of came out of a curve right at the end, you come out of a curve and, and then there's this big kind of short, it wasn't very long, but it was a steep grade um, that you had to kind of power up right at the at the end, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, that, that's where I saw probably four four guys walking their bikes up it. Right, if you're just not geared right and you hit that or, or whatever, um, you know, it was a oh. steep little grade right right at the very end. Right, right before transition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was too bad. Um, I had. On earlier portions of the course, I had tried to get into my 28, which is, you know, I'm in 40, 42, 28 is my, um, my, my biggest gear. And so, um, I had tried to use it earlier in the race and realized that the, the regular was kind of bent a little. And so if I went to 28, the, the cage was starting to, was rubbing against the disc. And so I knew I didn't have a 28 and, I knew that climb at the end was, was going to, was supposed to be pretty tough. And so I had a 25, essentially a 40, 25. And, um, I climbed it no problem. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. very, did you get out of the saddle? I did get out of the saddle. Yeah. That's all I did. Just yeah. I got out of the saddle. I had, um, there was one guy I was trying to, was trying to make a pass on, on the section, but he was actually, um, just kind of sustained whatever pace I was doing. So we both climbed up kind of together and it was really cool. Cause you had a bunch of the crowd that was there like cheering. Yeah, right? right. And, right. and as you're going through every pedal stroke, like they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, you had a rhythm of going of like, you know, yeah. that side to side close rocking. Close to the Tour de France as we're going to get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless we do Roth. Yeah. Um, right. Right. But yeah, that was, I thought that was really cool. And then once you crest that section, um, immediately there's a sign and it says like no aero bar section. And so, I recognize that as like, oh, this is, this is us descending into transition. So right at that section, I, I ended up pulling my, my feet out of my shoes and just, you know, stepping on top of my shoes and, and getting ready to, to exit. Yeah. And nice. that was clean and it was cool. Cause you come off the bike and you run with your bike after the dismount line outdoors, but then you go inside the convention center, which was really, really okay. cool. Right. And, uh, and, um, drop your bike off and then go. That was one thing. They didn't have bike catchers, right? Oh, have, do they usually have that for all age groupers at world champs? They had it. Did they have bike catchers at, uh, last year at world championships? For some reason, I felt like they did. They did at St. George. Yes. Yeah, St. George had bike catchers. Yes. For but most they world championships, they typically here. do, um, for context, Hawaii last year did not. Um, but they said that was a COVID reason. I th also think it was a volunteer reason, right? Like there's yeah, more enough volunteers for yeah. the two days of racing in, in Kona. So they learned again, that. It was pretty cool. You can't, you went in and I mean, so many, like I said, 3,800 bike spots, right? And, and most of them at that point, that place was full, right? It's like, oh man, I'm the last bike. Um, but yeah, go in 
drop it off, run through. You're you're basically indoors, which was really cool. You went in, grabbed your bag, sat down, changed really quick, got your you know helmet off, all that stuff. Um, that was super super fast, super easy. Uh, plenty of space for me in transition to to plop down and, and change my gear. Yeah, that was another first of having an indoor transition. Um, which again, given the weather we were we we were having, it was a nice reprieve from yeah. from the rain. Um, and being able to kind of reset yourself and, uh, you know, get changed without, again, constantly having rain on you or, or getting wet before you headed out again. So that was nice. Yeah. Any, um, surprises or, or not surprises, but I mean, getting off the bike, did, did you guys get to run the run course or bike the run course at all or have any expectations? Cause I, I thought I did see and hear about, right out of run train out of t2 there's like this really really steep ramp up and down yeah um, well i think we feared that more than than we needed to um but yeah they built this big man-made uh bridge essentially right so then they could bring trucks in and out of the the loading area and um yeah so it, i mean it was steep um but and it and it really felt like it was uncalled for um, they could have <laughs> figured it out but, uh, yeah, you got, I mean, you probably ran, what do you think you ran? Maybe a hundred yards before you got to that? I mean, it wasn't very far. Yeah. So I wouldn't even say a hundred yards, but yeah, it was, oh, it was man. pretty quick after you exit, you know, that's tough. T2 that's right there. And yeah, I had, I had told myself I'm powering up it. I'm not walking this thing. We watched people hit it the day before and just like immediately go to a crawl, walk up that thing. And, uh, so I hit it, I hit it hard. I ran up it. I passed people immediately, but I did feel my quads kind of, uh, tighten up on the backside of it. Like immediately going down, I felt like, oh no, uh, there they are. They're, they're going to start cramping already. I haven't even started running and, uh, you go down that and then you run maybe another 25 yards or whatever, and then you make a right into the stadium and you got to go downhill there as well. And then you're and, on the, on the track and that first loop of the track, my legs loosened up and that was really cool experience to, to run through the stadium. Yeah. So right in front yeah. of the big ski jump. And yeah, all like that. you said, it's gotta be, it's gotta be nice to have kind of the track in that first section. It's nice and soft. You're like, okay, like get 400 meters here to let me find my legs because I, I did hear that that, section in and out of the track was pretty punchy, you know, short, but you know, going up and or down and up that, that little ramp as you exit and enter the track is pretty steep too. Yeah. It was probably a good 10 to 15 strides. Now you had, yes, about did we get to preview any of it. We did run quite a, quite a bit. Um, and for the most part, we were running the run course or at least the, the beginning of the run course, uh, like the first, you know, two, three miles, um, and so that long sustained, uh, climb that you kind of come, come into, um, we, we knew that pretty well. Uh, I, I had ran it shit, almost three, three times and I'd done yeah, intervals it up it. So, um, and it came up really it. quick, right? I mean, you came out of the stadium, you had to go up that little hill. You basically ran down a little ways towards our house that we were staying in. Then you made a right. And as soon as you made that right, it was just like a long sustained climb up this thing. Yeah. 
And I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, I, I was taking, you were probably running a lot faster than I was, but I was, I was, you know, between nine and tens. I was just, you know, I, w- I was very reserved going up it, um, not knowing what the rest of the run course was like one, um, cause you just wonder, is the whole run course going to be like this? Um, luckily the run course was very front loaded with the, with that hill. And that felt like really the main, main climb was that first couple of miles. Yeah. yeah I mean, from, from the coverage of the, of the race for the men and women, it seemed like there were kind of just those few undulations and everything else was pretty flat for the most part. It looked like there was quite a bit of, uh, I don't know if I'd call it gravel, but dirt. And I would imagine Chris being so much later. I mean, did that get kind of, you know, soggy and stuff like that? I was kind of dreading it, right? It was a crushed gravel point, um, portion, but actually the whole run course, you got past that. I would say, a lot of runs are boring. I feel like, right. You're running and it's, if you're in a city, it all looks the same. And you know, you get done with lap one and you're like, Oh my God, I got to do this again. Right. This course changed. You got past that hill and then you, you ran for a while. You were in neighborhoods. Then you were, you ended up at the lake and you're going downhill a lot. Um, then from the lake, eventually you end up at that park, which you were talking about. And it was kind of a crushed granite. And I was really kind of dreading that. Um, I thought it was a lot bigger, than it was the, the portion through there. Um, and I, yeah, the last thing I'm thinking of is here's my $300 Nikes and I'm going to run in mud in them. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was great. It w- it drained really well. There was not sloppy and, 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 and slippery or anything like that. That was actually my favorite part of the course. Like I felt like I passed a lot of guys on there just kind of powered powered through it took the turns you know hugged the corners because it was pretty you know curving back and forth the whole way and just i i actually really really liked that part because you end up it was towards the end of the the lap so you knew that you were almost done with the first lap or you knew you were almost done because it's basically you go through that park and you make a turnaround and it's the the distance between t a little less than the distance between t1 and t2 and it's just a straight shot and, uh, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, I think Tony liked it as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, overall that run course, again, you never really got bored. Um, there was always a different section that to really break up the, uh, the run. So you had like the first three miles that were up uphill and you had like a, a small little flat section after that. And then we just had like a screaming downhill. Like I'm talking like, like five twenty, five ten pace coming down this thing. Um, and then, and then it starts to undulate and, and then you, again, you go through like a little neighborhood, then you run by the lake, which is flat and you can really kind of lock into a pace. And then from there you, you hit that gravel section, which again, being a trail runner at heart, I, I loved that section and made a lot of progress through there. Um, and then, yeah, that kind of leads you right back into the second loop and you get to do it all over again. And so, um, I think I, I ran that first loop pretty conservative. Um, and so I want to really kind of hit it hard. The second loop miles one and two for me were, were the slowest of, of the day. The first one, obviously just trying to get like my legs under me. And I think that was like a, like a seven, like seven eight or something like that. And then after that, um, I, I had to pee really bad. I didn't, I don't pee on the bike. And so, um, I'd stopped at the, at a porta potty during my during mile two and so that was like a 710 um and knowing like i'd stop for roughly 20 seconds or so i i knew i was in a, like having a good a good pace 
even up that climb. So, um, yeah, just settled in and, and, um, I thought overall just was making good progress. Um, one thing that was kind of odd for me was, you know, on, on the first loop, I'm, I'm moving pretty good and, and making, making a lot of progress through, through the field. And a group of like three guys runs up on me and I'm like, how the hell are people running up on me at this pace? And, um, so I just kind of jump in with them and trying to stay on their hip. And then that's when I realized like, oh, these are pros on their second lap. Like I shouldn't really be running with these guys anyway. So, um, and that's when I, I had, I stopped at the porta potty anyway. And so I left. Okay. Go. So you kind of like made up time and you're like, oh, well, I, I could use this right now and be a little <laughs> bit more comfortable on my run. <laughs> well, know? yeah, I was, you know, you always weigh the, uh, I always try to weigh the time. Like, it, am I going to, am I going to make up this time? Or is this going to cost me if I don't stop more than the cost of the stop? Right. Um, if it's later in the run, I'll typically hold it, which is really odd. Cause sometimes I'll feel like I need to pee like a mile 10 and I have to pee so, so bad. And I'm like, you know, debating whether I stop or not. And I know I only have like a 5k left and then you finish and I don't end up peeing for like another 45 yeah, it minutes. It goes away. Like, like, yeah. I felt that sensation like halfway through the run. It's like, I got to pee. <laughs> I got to pee. It's just mental. It's and like I your mind by, being like, just yeah. stop, dude. Just stop. I went through the aid station. The porta potties were there. I'm like, you know what? Next one. And then by the next one, yeah, it's like it's you like reabsorb it or something. I don't know where it goes, but yeah. definitely the urge goes away. And and I usually don't have a problem like having to go pee during, during a 70.3. But I think just because of the cooler temps that we had, um, you weren't sweating as much and I was still fueling roughly the same. And, and so, um, yeah, I just, I needed to let it go. Yeah. And Tony, I think you finished like a one twenty five low. Is that right? Yeah. It was just over one twenty five. Like one twenty five, I think like 16 or something like that. Nice. Yeah, he and crushed then, it with a course P or basically a PR for himself. Right. On right. A non gonna, river swim. Yeah. Right. So PR overall and then PR in the run and bike? No, I've I've biked faster. Um okay. un, unofficially. We talked about this a little bit, but I had a faster bike in Monterey when I got DQ'd. Um I biked a two twenty there. And then my fastest run, I think, was Oceanside. I've ran like a one twenty two low. So Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, it's a I've, tough, tough course faster. to do that on too. Yeah. 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 I think just different. And then also it's harder to run fast in the rain. It just mm -hmm. is. And so um, cautious and stuff. You know? Yeah. That. And then also your shoes do get waterlogged. It's a heavier, you know, than just the turnover and you don't get that same pop off the ground. And obviously there's the, that suction uh, creation with the, the water between the pavement and your shoes. So like all those things considered, you are, you are going to run slower. So. But I mean, it seems yeah. like you're, you're pretty happy with those results though. I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, I, I went in yeah. thinking like, and what I, what I say on the pod as we were going into it, like anything sub 440, I'd be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's right. I think yeah. sub 430 was like, I thought in the cards, if I had a really good day. So to, I mean, almost go sub 425, like I'm, I'm really happy with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. let alone did he start two hours ahead of me, he finished 45 minutes or, or so, uh, at least, uh, uh, ahead of me as well. So, yeah. So he had almost three hours to, to well, wait he around. was doing it for you, Chris. He I got know. to get off and see I you come. I, I think you got to see him come off the bike. Is that right, Tony? Yeah, it did. It's, I, I, I got done. I, um, got through obviously the, um, you know, the, the finish shoot area, went to the merchandise tent cause it was covered and 
um, just got dried off and, and changed and then came back out. I think we had another 15 minutes after that to, for him to show up on the bike. So, um, watched him come through and then cheered him on as he took off on the run. And then I was like, all right, I need to get to the house. I need to go get cleaned up and I'm exhausted. So, um, so Nadia and I walked back to the house and my sister stayed back. So, you know, obviously he'd, he'd have somebody there to, to do sure cheering on. him on. Yeah. yeah. Which was cool. Yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, I came out, I came in with, I would say fairly low expectations, right? One, knowing it was a hilly course. Um, two, knowing I ran 13 miles three weeks ago, and that was the first time I'd ran 13 miles since uh, December before and before surgery. Uh, so I, I had kind of hoped I could run. At first, I was hoping I could run a similar run that I ran in Oregon, which I really surprised myself running, um, you know, which it wasn't, it was still almost a minute slower than I did the previous year at Oregon post-surgery. But uh, I ended up running, I think, uh, slower, actually, um, at this race uh, by, I forget how many, you know, maybe 10, 10, 15 seconds slower overall per mile. But I never hit the wall, which I did. So I felt oh, like I was great. pretty conservative the whole race. I didn't want to blow myself up on the bike. I knew it was hilly. Um, so I rode uh, a little slower on the bike than, than I probably could have. You know, looking back, I definitely um, didn't push it. I think I averaged like uh, 21-ish, you know, just under 21 miles per hour. Um, and then on the run... Yeah, just I really had it in my mind that I didn't want to hit that wall at mile 10, right? Because I hadn't run past mile nine before Oregon, um, just trying to build up. And then in the last three weeks, I didn't run really any major distance in between the two races. Uh, did some speed work, did things like that, and uh, got out on the run and and took the first loop I felt pretty conservatively. And then, you know, just tried to get to mile 10, push through that wall that I feel like I always hit. And, and I never felt the wall and yeah, it came across. I mean, for me, I was hoping to be a little closer, you know, I think in my mind when I started my watch, when the, the bell went off and I hit the water, um, I thought I was coming in at five Oh eight. Right. And I was going to be, I was like, all right, sub five ten, that's great. And then I crossed the line and it was five twelve. I'm like, where did those four minutes go? Like, how did I start <laughs> right. my watch when the bell went off? Right. Before I hit the water and I'm four, my watch is four minutes different than the race time. So I, I don't know what happened, where that went, but, uh, that, that was a little disappointing to, to see 512. And I was like, Oh my God, I swear I had a 508. All right. It was just that mental goal of wanting to break 510 on, on, on the course. And, uh, but I, you know, overall I was happy. I came away from it, not near as sore as I was after I was with Oregon. Right. I think uh, my legs hadn't run that far in a long time. And, I mean, we got done and we couldn't get our bikes for another 30 minutes, even until I got done. Right. So they wouldn't let you get your bikes till three fifty. And I think, uh, I don't know what time of day I actually finished, but we probably had about a half hour, um, got done and, and walked to the line and there were a hundred people standing in line trying to get into the food tent. So I just bailed around the food tent, went around, got changed and, and his sister was there. We went over and I, I grabbed some hot dogs at the hot dog stand and, and chowed down and, and then it wasn't that much longer that bikes opened up and we grabbed our bikes. And that was really smooth, really easy to get through, grab all your bags, get the bikes. And, and from there, it felt more rushed. The most rushed of the entire race was from the time I picked up my bike to the time I was getting in the car. Because uh, 
Kelly and, and uh, Michael were so gracious to come right after awards, pick me up at seven o'clock and drive me back to the airport. Um, so yeah, I basically had a few hours to tear the bike down, get everything packed. And, and I feel like that actually probably helped me out a lot because I had no time to stop and sit and, and, and let my legs stiffen up or anything like that. So it was just like jam, 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 jam. And, and, and yeah, but it was a great I mean, time. I mean, it sounds like overall that race for you was, again, it's not like you're trying to PR, right? Coming back from surgery and injury, you're like, all right, let me get these races under my belt and, you know, think about PRs and those sorts of things later. And again, like you said, not hitting the wall in that run, being able to finish the run. I mean, did you feel, did you feel like you left anything out there on the run? Like you had more? Um, I didn't feel bad when I came across the line, right? So I felt like, uh, I, I, I think I, I forget what I, my watch said. I think I ran in eight twenties maybe or something like that. So I felt like I got to that mile 10 and it was like, okay, I didn't hit the wall. I feel safe. I'm going to try and pick it up and, and, and maintain at least, um, you know, and continue to push. And so, you know, when I came across, I definitely have that feeling of, oh my God, I gotta, you know, I'm done. I'm toast. Um, so I felt like there was probably some left, you know, a lot of runs, the last, especially like Oregon, this last one, when I got to that finish line, I was done. Like, it was like, Oh my God, I haven't run this far in, in a very long time. Um, but I did not feel that way at all on, on this one. So it was good. If it came across, it felt good. And I feel like, okay, I wasn't even going to do this race. Right. I mean, I, I mean, only because Tony had a place to stay and he offered me the couch and you know, all of that. It was, I had given up on doing this once I knew I was having surgery. So just to have the experience, get the coin, be there and, 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 you know, hang out, see everything. It was, it was amazing. So yeah, for me, we were talking last night, Tony and I were, um, talking as we were jogging. It was, it was like, okay, now it's time to get to work. Right. I got through these two races that I probably, shouldn't have done coming off of surgery, right? I rushed my build to try and get back. I probably, you know, should have, I, sh- I shouldn't have done these races coming off of surgery like that. And so now I feel motivated. It's like, all right, got to get my butt in gear. Got to get the weight that I gained during, tr- during injury and all that. Got to get all that cut off and, and get to work. So I'm excited to see, I got three races lined up to try and qualify for New Zealand. So I'm pretty, well, yeah, pumped. that, that was the next question is what's, what's next for both of you guys. Yeah, I know Tony's got a bunch of races. I've got Arizona, which is seven weeks away. And so in my mind, each race is just a little bit of progress. I've got Arizona, and then I've got La Quinta almost maybe six weeks after that. And then then I have a big break until uh, May for Morro Bay. And I feel like that's that's where my big gains, I feel like, you know, will come. I mean, I feel like sometimes when I'm racing this close together, you know, you've got recovery weeks in there things like that. Um, but you do get to absorb some of that fitness when you race right after. So just steady progress for me. You know, I feel like each race will give me a chance to measure. Have I come back a little more? Did I get a little faster on the run? Have I been able to drop some weight? So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of having checkpoints along the way between now and next May. Yeah. Tony, you got Chicago coming up in three weeks. No. Is that right? No, it's like six weeks, seven weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Three weeks is the uh, Surf City Ten, where I get yeah, to. Yeah, we, um, we do get the Surf oh, City yeah. Ten. All three That's of gonna us. That's gonna be so fun, man. That's gonna be so great. That's yeah, I gotta, cool, I gotta, I, I gotta fill you guys next. in on some some details of uh, how we're gonna quote unquote race. Um, 
there's some dynamics in there with with groups and stuff, but we're gonna have a good time. It's gonna be awesome. Are we gonna be sharing so, some pushing, push racing as teams and stuff? No, I think uh, I, uh, I I talked to Trisha. I believe everybody has their own writer. Cool. Um, I think I have the pairings. I'll have to look at who's paired with who. But um, there, yeah, there's there's other groups there too, and there's politics and stuff. But it's really fun. Like, we're gonna have a good time. So. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. So that's the, that's the next thing coming up, and then yeah, then Chicago, uh, and then CIM would be like the next the next big thing. I'm still on the fence on Cabo. I think Cabo is what in November. Um, I'm gonna I'm basically gonna carry my fitness now and and train as if I'm doing Cabo. Um, and then that's we'll we'll see if if that gets thrown on the calendar. I'm probably gonna qualify here. for New Zealand. Yeah, that's that would be the goal is to go to Cabo and then qualify for New Zealand. It that's a really challenging course. It's it's hot. The bike has like thirty two hundred feet of climbing. Um, the runs flat, but again, by that point in the day, it's just so damn hot. It's hard to to really run, and it's a non wetsuit swim, so it's a very challenging event. But um, it's it's close. It's easy to get to, um, and again, I just. I like the challenging races and so we'll, we'll see what it can do out there. You don't have any thoughts of doing Indian Wells since it's, it's pretty close to CIM, right? It's the next, it's the same weekend. Oh, it's the same. I say, yeah. It's, okay. it's completely off the table for me. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then do you have, you don't have anything on the calendar yet for next year? No, I'm kind of trying to figure out what I want to do for next year. Um, I mean, I, Oregon's kind of a possibility. Morro Bay is another one that's a possibility. Um, but no I, big. I don't know. last chance to qualify. What was that? Close to the end of the season to qualify for uh, New Zealand. It's like the, the almost the last race locally. Because oh. I think Oregon in July becomes uh, 2025 for yeah. which hope you know hopefully it'll be Spain. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I am not I'm not too concerned with like chasing a, a slot. I feel like I have a pretty yeah. good opportunity at any race I I towed the line at that I can. I can pretty much, you know, if I have a, a day and race to my potential that I should be able to, to lock in a, a slot. Um, again, if, if Cabo works out, then that'd be great. I'll make a decision here in probably the next month or so. And then, yeah, I need to figure out. I, I, the thing is like, I want to do some, I want to do some races I haven't done before. And so, you know, that, that Washington race looks really appealing. I've, I've talked about doing that for the past two years. Mm-hmm. Maple Valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great area. So that, that might be cool. I, again, I, I love the Pacific Northwest. Um, Coeur d'Alene's back to a 70.3 this year. Yeah. I, I've raced Coeur d'Alene. It's beautiful. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. That's see, that's where I had my TSA Huckleberry jam <laughs> issue. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. One thing we didn't talk about was, uh, that my bike is still sitting at Helsinki airport, you know, and, uh, three days later. So it's still sitting where I left it when, it, when they took it off the plane. And, uh, luckily Tony's bike did make it back yesterday evening. So, but yeah, yeah there were thousands of bikes. bikes going to be finished by the time it gets back here. Oh my God. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's crazy that there were, you know, from what I'm hearing is like a thousand bikes left there. So, right. And mine hasn't moved in days. So we'll, we'll see at some point I'm going to get back on the phone and ask for an ETA, but getting any information, right? It, it, Delta's great, right? That's who I flew out on, but KLM was who brought me back through Delta and trying to get any information was, 
that airport getting out of there just the lines trying to figure out where to take your bike the it, it was it was madness trying to leave that place yeah that's the longest it's ever taken me to get through from like trying to check in to like sitting at the gate it was nearly just over two hours i think yeah and we didn't have a terrible experience lufthansa was just turning people away they were just like you know oh. what you're not getting on this plane you don't have a bike reservation get on the phone and they were just turning people away. They were doing nothing for them. So luckily I was there early enough that I got up there and I didn't have a bike reservation, which they require, but, um, she was able to call, she got it on there and you know, I had to pay 125 Euro and they took it away. I got on the plane. I saw them loaded on the plane and, uh, and, and then, yeah, they're about to close the door and all of a sudden three bikes get rolled off and, and mine was one of them. And, uh, yeah, so uh, but like you said, uh, Tony was on a plane with, with Lionel and Sam and had a similar experience. Yeah. So uh, on our, we probably had at least, I'd say at least 40 athletes on our plane and only 12 bikes made it. And so, yeah, Lionel didn't get his bike and Sam Long didn't get his bike. Um, who else? Oh, um, Jenna and Miguel were the, the YouTubers. They were on our flight too. Freestyle try. Freestyle. What was that? Yep. Yep. Freestyle tries. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. 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 Miguel beat, uh, uh, oh, he beat did Christian. Great. Yeah. He came he in right awesome. behind Ben. And, uh, yeah. He was, yeah. yeah. I, I was, I, uh, I, sh I was thinking about messaging him and being like, hey, man, you could say you're undefeated against Christian. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, he had a great race. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for the pros, it's not a big deal to not have your bike. Right. I mean, they have extras, they've got garages full of bikes and, now yeah, I'm sure like, Lionel also right. has his bike on his trainer, his, his oh, trainer right. bike. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and you know, Chris, you're sounds like you're probably not even going to get it before the weekend. No, I'll be on my road bike this weekend. Uh, I'm headed down to where we, uh, swim a lot and we're, we're camping for the holiday weekend down in Newport dunes or camping in a, in a cabin, but we're staying right by the water in, in Newport dunes. So I'll be getting oh, very a cool. ton of swimming and a, and a ton of riding right there by the water. And Tony, did you get yours today or did you get yours yesterday? your bike oh it landed yesterday okay so it's yeah. coming today maybe yeah well or maybe not <laughs> did your sister bring it home or bring it to her house yeah yeah cool yeah. and then well tony i think you said the next thing one of the next things on your calendar it's technically next year but you're doing the 50 mile in avalon with me right i didn't say that at all <laughs> are you sure <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm, I'm positive oh okay yeah I could have swore. You misheard. Yeah. yeah, you definitely misheard. Yeah. Well, I hear Nadia wants to wants to get over there and do that race. You should sign up. I, w I would be more than happy to support her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Avalon 50, January 2024. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, congrats to both of you guys. I mean, it sounds like you guys both had great races and you're itching for more. It sounds like you guys both want to get back to New Zealand next year and We'll see how quickly that happens. It's just a matter of time for both of you, really, right? So keep, uh, we'll see you out there this weekend training, training hard, getting ready. Yeah. And your, your race is counting down here, right? What are we, your race yeah, in November? Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't, don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to think about it and just do the training. And I'm more worried about, like, not worried about, but uh, Long Beach Marathon's like closer. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. and I just want to get a BQ there and then, you know, the rest of this will take care of itself. So, yeah. Have you BQ'd before? I, I don't recall. No, I missed it. Um, That's right. Like by 26 seconds. seconds. Right? Yeah, 26 yeah. seconds. And I was talking to um, 
Jeremy in our, in our group, you know, like I, <clears throat> I have like goal times and stuff, but I'm not going to go out there and kill myself since, you know, Arizona's four weeks after. Right. So it's like, just get the BQ. And then if I actually, if I have enough cushion and I actually make it to the race, that's, that's a whole separate thing. Was your but, 26 seconds under the qualifying time or under the cushion time? No, no, no. I, I missed it. The qualifying time, the three hours by 26 seconds. Okay. Cause yeah, I know yeah. for me, like if, uh, you know, I'm 47, it's, I think it's 315, but if I don't finish in 310, I most likely yeah. won't get it. Yeah. And I think in, I think last year, well, pretty much everybody got in last year. The past two um, years, everybody's gotten in. Yeah. So there's not much of an issue, but I think that one big COVID year, I think it was nearly six minutes for my age group um, in a cushion. Wow. So you're talking a, you know, a 254. Um, and if things go well, then I would aim for, you know, roughly 250 at Long Beach. But again, if that's feeling like that's a pretty good effort, then I won't aim for that. I'll aim closer to 257, 258, just to get under the three hours. And then if I get into the race, that's, I, I don't, I don't necessarily care too much about that. I can race at other times, but I want to get that BQ out of the way cool. and then treat it as a training run for, for Arizona. So, you know, yeah. So, but yeah, it's coming up quicker and Josh and I were riding last weekend and we rode yesterday and we're just like, yeah, dude, we got to like start thinking about, you know, goal times and power and all these sorts of things like start thinking about nutrition how you're going to treat it we're like yeah we should probably start dialing this in it's going to be upon us before we know it right so <laughs> and be going out there be like i think i'm going to take gels uh you know i got some electrolytes we'll see what happens you know stuff like that so but yeah so we'll see yeah sweet yeah but uh yeah surprise episode everybody should be pretty stoked we got some extra content out don't it's not going to be a regular thing though so uh yeah <laughs> don't remember, expect it if, uh, if yeah. you want to send us questions send the questions to podcast at ocendurance.com so we can get those questions answered yeah talk about the was it what are they calling it um imaginary line gate or whatever the hell they're calling it with lionel we could talk about that next time and all those those issues but yeah so sweet Thanks, guys. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>